should be saying, it should, there it is. Okay, I was like, it should be switching to recording. I was like, what's going on? Well, Mr. Joshua, thank you so very much for agreeing to come on the show. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> okay, this is going to be exciting. I am so, I'm so excited Am for I this. the first I, one of these? You are, actually. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I do have two more to record today, ironically. Okay. But um, I, what I'm wanting to do is get so many in, and, I, and it sounds almost kind of selfish again, but I'm really wanting to pile so much content and information in so that I'm prepared for June and Father's Day. Okay. And so um, I'm really kind of excited, but you are. You are the first one, so thank you. Right. <laughs> so it means I'm going to learn a lot from you. I hope, I hope I'm ready for that. Yes. So Absolutely. let's start with the easy questions. Um, so for starters, are you married? And then how many kids do you have? Yes, I'm married. Um, we've been married for 23 years. I got married a month after high school, we were 18. And wow. we have three kids. And um, we did not get married because we had to, but we got married because we wanted to. That's always a blessing. We kids, so we've been married for like eight years. So we got just married a month after high school because we felt it was the thing to do. Yeah. And were your kids planned or were? Um, so I'll just go ahead and so there, um, we planned when we had them. Yeah. Um, okay. And yeah, we wanted them when we had them. And so we took a good long time, six year or eight years to be married without kids and to do what we wanted to do and have fun. And then when it was time, we, we did it. <laughs> so. And then what are the ages of the three? So we have a sixteen or a fifteen-year-old, thirteen-year-old, and a twelve-year-old. So fifteen, thirteen, and twelve. Oh my gosh! Okay, so that means that you have already gone through the toddler stages. And what out of all three of your kids? And I'm I'm almost one hundred percent certain that their personalities are drastically different. Yes. So out of your kids, what would you say has possibly has been the most challenging thing for you as a parent that you may have had to overcome? So when we were, um, so we really wanted kids um, and we had some fertility challenges. And so at first it was, we just didn't even, even know if it was going to happen and we were debating, are we going to adopt? Um, but anyway, then we started having kids and we kept having kids. And, <laughs> and by the time we had three, um, it was really difficult. So, um, I think that was the most challenging part was when we had a, I'm trying to think about, we had like a, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old at one point, mm -hmm. and that was really intense. Um, when they're little, they're really demanding, and mm -hmm. we go months with like no break. Um, I, at that time, I worked second shift, and my wife worked first shift, so we were kind of like married single parents. Because I'll assume that you are basically when you're working the shift like that with your with your spouse, I'm assuming that you're just basically just missing each other every oh, single yeah. day. Yeah, we yeah. would we wouldn't see each other. I mean, and it would and so we did it for um, you know, when we had kids, we we knew we wanted to have kids and we wanted to do it right to the best mm -hmm. of our ability. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Not, and okay, let me say I'm not judging parents that do daycare or anything like that, but we wanted to try to not do that. And so we made some pretty serious decisions um, that were uncomfortable for us when I was gotcha. working second shift and she was working first shift. And then, so we would have like two or three days a week where we needed a babysitter. We always had an in-home babysitter, like a name. Okay. Okay. For two to three hours, two, two or three times a week. Mm -hmm. And then and other than that, my wife and I did most of it. Um, we homeschooled through sixth grade. Oh, wow. And so we really... I mean, we really wanted to have kids. And so 
you know, we wanted, so we took it seriously. And it was, a, it's, it's, and that's kind of our philosophy is that, you know, parenting, it's not, it shouldn't be accidental. I mean, it should be intentional. And so, and I'll just tell you a little bit more. Um, so I had gone to college and I ended up, I was a custodian at the time. Okay. And then I ended up staying a custodian to work second shift. And trust me, I did not want to stay a custodian for all the years that I did. But we did that because it was what we needed to do. I mean, I could have taken another job, I could, but we didn't feel like it was the right thing to do. So at the time, yeah, yeah, that makes so. Sense. So you no, it does. I mean, that's a major sacrifice. I mean, you're basically and and again, I this is not to judge you on it. I'm just <laughs> stating facts. So, but you basically put your life on hold temporarily mm -hmm. for the betterment of your kids, correct? Yeah. yeah. So. I, I, you brought up a very interesting thing to me and the babysitter uh, mm -hmm. or in-home daycare, in-home babysitter. You did that with all three kids? Yes. Yep. So um, ironically enough, I was also a product of that and I have no regrets for that whatsoever. But because um, my mom, I don't know why, I don't know why she, I don't know if she ever did believe in daycare or not, but she just never put me in daycare. Right. It was always a babysitter. So did the kids when they finally are they in public school now or private school now private school now so we so, homeschooled the oldest through sixth grade and then eventually i took a day job that i couldn't refuse and so then we had to change what we were doing for, and, and then, move them over to private yes and again i mean that don't even get me started on the private school decision because that bankrupts us <laughs> so but, i mean you know but i mean but, but the, I guess our thoughts are why, if we're not all in on this, then why are we doing it? Like if we're not, if we're not. So that actually brings up a very good question. And I'm, I'm going to ask that one. I want to finish this first one at first um, with the babysitter. Yeah. Did the kids have a hard time or a difficult time transitioning from basically being a only kid to a degree when you're just mm -hmm. around a babysitter mm -hmm. and, and then transitioning over to a school system where there's a lot more interactions and a lot more kids there is. Did they have issues with that at all? Well, let me say this. So, and this is also in the midst of the homeschooling going on. So we're already ultra isolated when okay. we're homeschooling combined with having a babysitter in our house. Yes. Uh, and so, and I don't want to make any homeschoolers mad out there, but you know, the, the whole social interaction is the most challenging part of homeschooling. I mean, the academics is easy. It's the mm -hmm. finding ways to make your kids not get weird. That's the hard part. And, uh, and so when, when they went to school, um, it, was a, it was a challenge a little bit. And we had some, and, and just the whole idea of just going to school in general from having been at home most of their lives to sixth grade. Yeah. It's not like they were in the basement. I mean, it makes it sound like- Yeah, I know. Uh, well, <laughs> I hope not. If so, I'm calling the people. I'm calling the folks on you right now. <laughs> no, but no, it was, it, there were definitely some, um, some challenges when they went from, uh, from the home, babysitter home school into the school environment, but they've adapted. They survived. They have, so what kind of challenges did you see during that time period? Well, actually, it was interesting. The biggest was probably academic. Our oldest um, was in fifth grade. It was fifth and a okay. half. It was about the middle of the year when they went. And it was like she was thrown into the deep end of the pool because by fifth yeah. grade, you're expected to be keeping track of your assignments. And mm -hmm. she had more academic responsibilities just thrown on her. The youngest was in second grade. So that's still... A little bit better. 
so he didn't have such a difficult time, but I would say just keeping up with the academics, the responsibility associated, and mm -hmm. then really navigating friendships. Yeah. Um, it, there's been some challenges. Girls, it turns out, are really not very nice a lot of the time. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think our whole experience has been the girls have had more of a struggle with friends. Then uh, my son comes home and he doesn't even, and he doesn't even tell you what's going on half the time. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't care. But the girls are always full of, you know, who did, who did what, who said what, I can't believe they did that. And it's so definitely different from the girls' perspective. Now, as a parent, because I can only imagine that that would break your heart, you know, because this is something is completely out of your control. You cannot make your kids have friends and, and you can't even speak up for them when they're in those social interactions. Yeah. So how are you as a father, like, how are you dealing with that? How are you giving advice to your kids? Or are you just there to listen? It's, it's okay. Well, you know, at first, well, I'm always, you know, my instinct is always to be filled with rage. But, yeah. um, but now, now I will call the people on you too if you, I see you running up there to that school. With the <laughs> no, I'm, it's, it's been, um, it's been, uh, I, I don't like to see them upset, of course. Yeah, of course. But they found friends and so they've acclimated. But it's, it is it's very interesting to see the difference between boys and girls and just okay. how much more challenging it is. The, the, the girls have, there's so much more emotions involved. Yeah, and it is hard, um, but they have they do have to figure out how to manage relationships in the world. So you can t listen, but ultimately, at the end of the day, they have to. They have to do it. That. So you're, and so you're, that means that you're giving them the space or the freedom to kind of be themselves and uh, and allow them to experience the world. Mm -hmm. And oh wow, that's really that's really good. Well, I mean, we're probably helicopter parents. I'm sure. I mean. Somebody has kids. to be. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the kids know nothing about that. That's right. right. I, mean, they, Catch I mean, we give them room, but I mean, we definitely, I, I feel like, you know, I, we graduated from high school in 1996, mm -hmm. which means we would have been in elementary school in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. And it's an entirely different world. Yeah, um, yeah. About the way I was allowed to, um, like freedoms I was allowed as far as being away from home when I was much younger. Yeah. And it's just the world's a more, just a, a much more dangerous place, it seems now. It can be. It definitely can be. And so I, get, I think that, um, I think if you were to compare the worries of a, a 2020 parent to an early 1980s parent, yeah. Probably a, a totally different set of worries. I, I can definitely imagine. I can only imagine because now you have social media and it's just, oh my gosh. I mean, there's a whole different level of bullying and, and yeah. so forth. Like it's just, it can spiral out of control yeah. very, very quickly. Yeah. So, so I'm like, and I, well, you brought up the social media. So we don't, we do not do social media with the kids. Wow. Are you serious? No, it's just, I mean, the way I look at it is they go to school and they interact with kids and, you know, yeah. sometimes that's positive and sometimes it's negative. Mm -hmm. And I see social media as any potential positives are not worth the potential negatives for, I mean, they have their whole lives to do social media when they're adults. What, I, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? You said any social positive is also a social negative. Did I hear that? Well, well, no, like, for example, like, okay, like with the whole social media thing, I just, first of all, it's a huge amount of responsibility for young people. Yes. To, yes to make smart decisions on social media. While they're on social media, mm -hmm. And then not only that, but because of the bullying and those things, and we, we just think to ourselves, why would we open up our home to that? 
I mean, I mean, we can at least close the door to that when they come home. So why make that a possibility? So, you know, they have phones and they, they have that stuff, but we just don't do the social media. We, I mean, gotcha. they have their whole lives to do that. We don't need that. So how are they interacting with that? Are they having any pushback against it? Because I, I can only imagine that their friends from school are not necessarily all on that same page. So not are a- they... Yeah. So are they having that pushback with you as, as their kids? So, you know, from kids to parents, are they having a pushback on that at all? No, because I think we've raised them to just know like our expectations and who we are. Now, mm-hmm. lately for my own personal side projects, I've been on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. <laughs> I was debating TikTok. And, uh, oh and, that, and that was one of our conversations was them asking and saying, how can it be? How, how are we going to explain to our, our friends that our dad's on all the social media platforms? But not us. And, you know, and I just say, tell your friends to butt out. I mean, it's just. <laughs> and they accepted that answer? Yeah, I mean, we have, I, I feel like we have a pretty, um, a pretty good relationship with the kids. And they know okay. that what we're doing is for them and to protect them. They get cranky sometimes with us about things, but I think at the end of the day, I mean, I think they see that we're doing like living sacrificially for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even though sometimes, you know, like any teenager, they get cranky and sometimes disrespectful because that's yeah. the nature yeah. of being a teenager. And it can't and, happen. But I think they ultimately know at the end of the day that the mom and I are going to do whatever we have to do for them. And so I think that helps balance out when we're making decisions they don't agree with, they can usually come back to why we do what we do. So that really sounds like an open communication or open dialogue from parent mm-hmm. to child. And, and that's another thing that wasn't always the case, especially not when we were growing up. That was not always the case. Um, I know in my case, my mother would make, it was, it was not a conversation, you know, it was a, almost a dictatorship, you know? Yes. And I don't mean that in a bad way, that was just part of her parenting. Mm-hmm. That's what she grew up with, which was like a, a step down from what she grew up with, you know? Right. And so it's, and we kind of evolved as adults. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that you're, you're opening that communication and at the very least you're explaining why you're making yeah. the decisions that you're making. And well, so I, 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 that is amazing. And you just have to in the modern era, because I mean, when you look at the dangers of social media, not just social media, human trafficking, I mean, every mm-hmm. parent I think has these same fears that like if I let my guard down, the worst is going to happen. Gonna, yeah, yeah. So, but you can't. So I think if you're explaining your fears as a parent for why, why am I doing this? Why am I thinking this? Why am I saying this? At least your child knows that. where you're coming from. Like my daughter, my oldest is getting ready to look for a job right now. Oh, oh. And so we're starting to think about, well, where as parents do we feel safe with her mm. working? And like, how are we? And, and it's interesting then between the different views between my, me and my wife, my, mm-hmm. um, like, whose fears are going to prevail because we both have because we both have fears and worries and so we're trying to figure out like how do we do this in a way that we feel safe with what's happening but my daughter has the freedom to go and get the job because she has to work that's part of it well growing up yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know what speaking speaking of fears and it's going to probably tie back into one of the other comments that you made but speaking of fears and sacrifices that as a parent that you obviously are making for your kids and the fears that you're you're almost, uh, and I don't want to say putting onto them because they're your fears and not necessarily the kids. Are there any mistakes or any concerns that you have possibly made or decisions you possibly made 
as a parent that you may regret now or wish that had you known better, you would have done better? I think, I think our biggest regrets are probably back when they were little. Okay. Um, and when they were, re- when they were small, it was really easy to just be so tired and sometimes to be maybe cranky or short with them when mm-hmm. we probably should have been more patient. And uh, I, think, I think if we could go back in time to any point, it would have been when they were younger. And, and I think now sometimes we look at pictures or videos of them when they were little and we think to ourselves that, I mean, that time's gone forever. Yeah. And, and it, it, it fills you sometimes with like a, it's hard to describe a, a longing sadness that like there's, you can never go back to that time again. And so maybe, and like not appreciating it. Cause when you're in the midst of it you and you're tired and you're stressed out and two people are in diapers at the same time oh. and, and you, somebody's sick and got a runny nose and things are, you haven't slept well. It's hard to keep in mind that this is a, you're almost wanting that time to be over. But then when it, <laughs> but then when it is over, you realize what a loss it is that it's over. So I think that's probably our biggest regret is not being mindful of that. Of that and being more present or having more compassion for them as a kid. Oh, well, you know, I really didn't think of that. Because I can imagine, I mean, A, as going through that with two young kids, um, one is is typically tough automatically. But but going through that with two, oh, wow. And once you're outnumbered, once you go to three or more, I mean, it's over. I mean, it's over. Did you say outnumbered? Yeah. It's no joke. It's no joke. Once, I mean, I, I always think that people think that when you have one and then you go to two, you think it's going to be twice as hard. But I think it's more exponential. It's more like one to two was like almost like four times harder. And then adding like the third was like 12 times harder than one. It's just because everybody always needs something. all the time like when you're trying to get through the grocery store and you have one sitting in the cart one in a pumpkin seat in the cart and a toddler walking i mean we would ransack the grocery store (laughs) it's it's just hard i can imagine that so i'm going to bring up an an even harder question for you Um, and you let me know if this is something that you've had a discussion with your kids about but surrounding death and on um, the end times for, I mean, because it's the inevitable for all of us. Is this something that you all have had to experience within the household or within the family, I should say? We just actually did have a, a death in the family. And it was, um, uh, it was, it was difficult. Um, it was a, a, a family member who had been suffering for a, a long time. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't entirely unexpected, but okay. it was difficult. Um, but we, you know, we are, we're, Christians, we go to church. I mean, this is, this is on the roadmap. I mean, this isn't like something that isn't there. I mean, yeah. I mean, the core of faith, I mean, that's like the nature of faith, whatever faith system is what happens next. I mean, I exactly. feel like that's like one of the primary things. So it's something that we, I mean, that we discuss. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's interesting in like times like these, here we are in the midst of this the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. weird business going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, like how do you not um, convey and pass fears on? And yeah. so just trying to be calm. I think rationality, my wife and I are both probably pretty rational mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. things and try to not be, you know, hysterical. Like if there's a tornado warning or something, 
you know, we're not going to ratchet it up. We're going to yeah. work if we're calm and collected, they're calm and collected. And I kind of feel like that with the whole grieving thing. I mean, yeah, we're sad. Yeah, we're upset. But I feel like, you know, I, I guess we're modeling. I don't want to say responsible grief. That seems weird. <laughs> but if that is your reality then joshua then it is what it is i don't know, you know? I just, but, but then it, i so i don't know but but again and i can also say my wife and i i don't think we've ever been waylaid by an unexpected death so i don't even know what my wife and i how, how we would handle that so really we've, we've been pretty fortunate in both of our families that um we haven't really had anything like that in a long mate in a very while wow so, that is really major. Yeah. And, and, and with the, the recent family member, and I know you said you obviously have explained it, and obviously there is no roadmap. Right. But, and I, which I'm so glad you said that, because most people think that you can just buy a couple of books and everything is going to work out fine. Right. So how are the kids? Like, how, how did that go? How did they take it? Well, I think they were okay with it because, it, because the decline was happening. Okay. So we were talking about it as it was so you were basically preparing and yes, kind of discussing it. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. So, and I feel like we've had other incidents. Um, you know, I don't feel like putting your head in the sand. We call it ostrich behavior. Um, I don't feel like I mean, that's what it is. There's because there's no good that's going to come from that. Like acting yeah. like something isn't happening when it is happening. Yeah. It's best to just discuss it. I think. I had a discussion with a coworker of mine. Um, I think that was, if that was on Monday, it was Tuesday. And we were talking about that. Um, we had a death in our family where we literally the first and only double funeral that we had to go to. Um, and he, pa- he had a heart attack because his daughter, he had found oh. that his daughter had passed away. Yeah, it was so dramatic uh, or traumatic. And, but I remember my mom, I was extremely young, but she never she never hid anything like that from me. Right. And so we were, we've always been prepared and we even know what to do with her, you know, mm-hmm. when it's her time. And, and so we were, we were adult kids, so to speak. And mm-hmm. so, and I find it to be very interesting how each parent, they obviously parent their kids completely differently, mm-hmm. but each parent isn't always on that same page. You mm-hmm. sometimes have the parent that does want to sh- shield and protect their kid as much right. as they possibly can from the future and then you have others that overshare right <laughs> well we had an incident at, we had an incident at dinner the other night and this is ridiculous but we have a, a dachshund and everybody okay. Okay. The dog, and she had a seizure the other night during dinner mm. and it was like oh, wow you want to talk about some trauma i mean that was upsetting to them to see their dog in such distress and then we were, and then we were talking about, you know, what's going to happen to the, the poor dog. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. again, it's best to just, I think, be, I mean, she's okay, it turns out, and she might just have seizures, but I don't feel like acting like nothing was wrong is going to help them. It's mm-hmm. better to just address what's happening in right a right way. Because yeah, it is. And bad yeah, it, happens. That's the and world. It, because it, it does. I mean, that's just simply the reality of the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. And so with that being said, how do you feel that your parenting style differs from how you, as well as your wife, were actually raised? Well, so that's, okay, so we both come from, um, I, don't know, I hate to say dysfunctional, but it sounds so judgmental. Um, but we both come from somewhat dysfunctional 
background <laughs> eccentric you know just a yeah. little different yeah <laughs> and, and so so i would say we both experienced are you familiar with the acronym ace no adverse, I'm not with that. adverse childhood experiences i've never heard of that but i, I can understand it now <laughs> you, should look, you should look it up because there's a lot of data around ace and people um like it's, it's almost predictive um for people that have adverse childhood experiences, the more you have, they can predict like incarceration rates and all types of different things off of that. Okay. And so, um, so uh, my coworker and I were just talking about this the other day that, so for people like us that have come from somewhat dysfunctional backgrounds, mm -hmm. like I said, we're very intentional with our parenting. This wasn't an accident having kids. We wanted to do this. And the last thing we want is that dysfunctional experience that we had. The feeling, you don't want them to ever have that feeling of lack of stability, uncertainty, what's going to happen. And then what's, what's interesting is I often wonder if we have so insulated them now from that, mm -hmm. that they almost, I don't know how to say it. It's almost like they don't, like they, I'm, I'm always trying to convey to them that they really have no idea of how lucky they are for the lives that they have, that they have two parents that work hard to keep them safe, to do the best that they can for them. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, they don't, they don't know any other world. Like they can't even fathom what um, their mom and my lives were like. Like they know about it, but they, you know, you don't know about it. Without being there to fully intake all the experience. Felt it. Until you felt mm -hmm. like uncertainty and fear, you just can't understand it. Yeah. And so I think that that's probably the biggest way that our, both of our lives um, impacted, impact my kids is because we've probably over insulated them. <laughs> I mean, I, but I, but I don't know how you, I don't know how I could, I'm not going to purposefully make their lives difficult to under insulate. Do you know what I mean? So, so I don't, so I don't know. Um, so I don't really know what the, the right thing to do is. Um, so that's why I guess we try to be realistic and practical with them and mm -hmm. not shield them from things. Yeah. You know, if we see at-risk people in our community, mm -hmm. we're going to interact with them. Like we try to be- What do you mean by at-risk? Oh, well, let's say we see somebody panhandling for money. Okay. okay. We're not just gonna ignore it and act like it doesn't happen. Gotcha, I gotcha. And we, we, and we try to illustrate to them that, you know, things, not everybody has the, the wonderful life that they have that they have and then mm -hmm. what's really yeah. fascinating to me is that we did a wealth calculator a while ago and it, okay what's interesting in our culture is that we are at always in the united states you're only comparing yourself to other wealthy people by the world standards okay so okay when you feel poor in america you're still in like the top 20 percent of the world's wealthiest people. oh yeah but you don't yeah. feel wealthy because you're, you're with only wealthy people yeah and so we're always trying to talk to them about this idea that we have nothing to complain about. We turn the water on and it comes out of the tap. There's never a, I mean, for, I mean, I always need to lose weight. I mean, there's, <laughs> I mean, like, I really need, Joshua, really Joshua, really. So we have no, so we have no, like nothing to really complain about. And I, so I guess that's what I find interesting with my kid's life is that fortunately, they have very few adverse childhood experiences that they're going to be able to remember. To remember. But then I don't know what happens to their parenting style then. So like when they but have you, this, what happens? I what, don't know. What I'm learning from um, different um, 
authors and inspirational speakers is as a parent, I mean, at the end of the day, you're only going to do the best that you can mm -hmm. with the resources that you have. Now, at the end of the day, there's going to always, and this is, of course, to the experts, supposedly, at the end of the day, there's going to always be an area within your child's life where they feel that they could have gotten more attention mm -hmm. in that particular area. And so then as a parent for themselves, as a parent, they would most likely hone in on that one area right. to make sure that their child doesn't have to deal with that. And then kind of everything else kind of finds its place. And so, so I'll, I'll, you know, I'm learning that. Well, so in theory, if I guess if, if you know, in a perfect world, every pair, every generation of parenting should get honed in tighter. Like it should get better and get better. better and better. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true because I think that, I mean, I believe that we live in a, a fallen and corrupted world. And okay. if, if that were the case, we wouldn't have adverse childhood experiences in this world. And I think I commented on your post the other day. I think, you know, when bad stuff happens in your life, mm -hmm. whatever it is, you only have two options. You can either choose to embrace it and overcome it and use it to help other people, or you can let it destroy you. Oh, I love that. I yeah. don't think there's, any, there's no middle path. That's yeah. either, that's what I do. I mean, and so, and that's, so I think, feel like that's what my wife and I have chosen to do. We've chosen to say, hey, this was bad stuff in our past. But you know what? We are not going to do that. To be defined by it and allow it to affect it. I love that. I or do. I love that. But I, I, but I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't think culturally though, I, I find it interesting at church. Sometimes people get mad. Um, like if you, okay. Cause here's my mindset. With it. Cause okay. you know, let's say you have um, people who are struggling, anybody mm -hmm. who's caught in any. So for everybody in the world, if I could do better, I would do better. And, and I think that's what I find so challenging, especially with, with judging others or other parents or at-risk communities or those sort of things, that if, you know, if it's not just a matter of somebody's choosing to not do well. For whatever mm -hmm. reason, there's some reason they can't do well. Like, I feel like people are doing the best that they can. That they can. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can, you can help come alongside people and help them do better, but I don't really feel like you can you can't judge, you don't know where they are. You don't know where they've been. You have no idea. And you just and I said, so I guess that's, and I, so that's probably what we try to impart to the, the kids yeah. is you can't know. You can come alongside and help, but you can't be mad that somebody isn't doing better. You know, I really love that you said that. And I know we, we're running a little bit low on time here or getting close to, but, um, I, first of all, I love that you said that again. I just, but it brings up another question that I'm going to end this on. And for you personally, as a father, what has been, what has been your most proudest moment, either as being a parent or the proudest moment that you've been able to share with your kids collectively? Um, well, let me just think here. So Oh gosh, it's hard to say because they all do, the kids all do things that make me proud in their own ways. Mm -hmm. They all have their own attributes and things that they do. Uh, I'm going to say personally, as somebody who's a, a victim of parental abandonment. Okay, okay. Just, uh, just like being here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I get that. And being a parent, being a father, being a, a loving father. And we need more of that in the world. And, and I think that's, that's the issue. I was blessed with an incredible stepdad who I consider my dad. And so for me, I don't know. I just, to me, it's such, um, I don't know. I, I, I really believe in like reaching out and just grabbing those around you. I'm a big believer in mentorship and mm -hmm. I work with a lot of youth um, that aren't, that didn't get to have a good stepdad like I had in addition to, to my own children. And I feel like that that's the, the job is, like I said, you can either let it destroy you or you can embrace it. And so I feel like that's like with my own kids, I guess I'm just proud that we're here together doing this. If that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. Joshua, that is a great place to end this interview. I really, I really thank you for sharing this with me. I, um, I really, I've learned a lot, actually. <laughs> I've learned a lot. And I'm trying to fight back my own personal tears here because I get it. Um, I was also one with the stepfather. And, you know, my mom did the best that she could with what she had. And, you know, you know, I didn't turn out bad, you know? <laughs> and, and my mom, and I want to make sure that the record shows, my mom's an incredible person. I mean, she sacrificed unbelievably to get us through. And, and so I, don't, I want to make sure that she's not the one being attributed the parental abandonment to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. No comment. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> Because she might want her to get mad. <laughs> we don't want her to get mad, okay? We do not want her to get mad. That is not what this show is about. Oh, my God. No. Joshua, thank you so very much. This has been a pleasure. Fantastic. Wait, so I got a question. Can I ask you a question?